sunset. The tree skinheads loitered at the street corner in Bally Strange in clouds of cigarette smoke. They watched the police car slowly patrol the street as a weasel would a fledging bird. As it passed them by, all three began to jeer and crudely gave the finger sign. At the wheel of the car, Crowley jammed on the brakes. He was breathing deeply and saying positive things to himself inside his head. Don't be afraid, lad. Don't be afraid. The jeering of the skinheads grew louder and meaner. Hey, copper, yelled Simon. What's the difference between a police car and a hedgehog? Crowley looked at the faded denim and Doc Martin crew in his rearview mirror. It was an old joke and Simon snarled out the answer. The hedgehog's got its pricks on the outside. Crowley opened the door of his squad car. What was the point of living in fear? He'd only give himself an ulcer, or worse, a nervous breakdown. He already had a few anyway, and lived to tell the tale. Jennifer always said real demons were much better than demons in your head. You could arrest them. You could even shoot at them. He was a detective Garda, with a license to shoot. He'd only ever shot at garbage bins. He had an uncontrollable urge to point his gun at some skinheads. The prick on the inside finally had enough. The prick was stepping out of the squad car with his big stick. Crowley walked towards the nasty young men. They continued to arrogantly loiter as relaxed as you like at the street corner. They guffawed at the sight of him crossing the street. He was as ill-equipped for a showdown as a bad actor in a B-Western. Get out of my town, shouted Crowley. Get out! He was surprised at how loud his voice carried, and there was hardly even a quiver. But it was a command that drew instant laughter, in the same way a snake might laugh back at you. The laugh had a bite to it, and was spiked with poison. Ain't you going to give us till sundown? Crowley pulled a gun from his holster, but his hand was now shaking visibly. Maybe you should see the town doctor about that shake, hissed Simon. Simon the skinhead then in an instant pulled a flick knife from his pocket and began to strut towards Crowley, followed by Robbie and Johnny. Crowley's bravery was good while it lasted. He was like an underdog football team that ran onto the field all guns blazing. But the bravado only lasted 20 seconds. It was built on what he had hoped might be a solid foundation. Point his gun at them and scare those punks shitless. Instead, a terrible panic attack overcame him again. Normal business had resumed. When he saw them coming from him, it was like as if every criminal gang, every vicious drug lord, every cold-blooded murderer he'd ever encountered were now all wrapped into one and charging his way. There was nothing to do but run for his car. Crowley dropped a very heavy foot to the accelerator as the skinheads jeered in the street behind him. The sun was declining over the west of Ireland, and into that sunset the cowardly policeman drove. Immortality. Herlock worked late into the night fixing his computers. His offices were still trashed. Aimless wires ran along the floor. 
as of yet none of his machines had flickered back to life, and Herlock cursed profusely as screws hopped off the floor. What the hell happened here? Herlock looked around to see the menfolk of Ballystrange, Winterman, Cecil, Swift and Tony. I might equally ask what happened to you. The question was directed at Dr. Winterman. Shit happens when you don't have a vampire wife to do your dirty work. She got Marla, sobbed Tony. And Dulska, added Cecil, his voice whimpering. They're all slain, said Dr. Winterman. God damn her, said Turlock, flinging his screwdriver away in anger. He paced back and forth in thought. He even walked on top of battered desktop monitors. Shifra lives, he finally said. Not that she's been any help to me at all of late. She's the last one, said Cecil. Her way of life will end once she perishes too. Can you keep her out of harm's way? asked Winterman. It is impossible to kill a member of the fairy race, said Thurlock. There is no recorded example in history or mythology. <laughs> Shifra, Cleona and Siobhan, as was their norm, had been frolicking about in their favourite misty lake. They jumped out, full of laughter, and the fairy maidens giggled as they skipped through the woods. But their playful mood suddenly came to an end when they saw a group of dark figures ahead of them. Even in the distance, their identity was no great secret. It was Deirdre and her merry band of demon slayers. There was little time for pleasantries. Deirdre, on seeing the light and lovely fairy girls, cast a spear at full throttle. It hurled through the night air at ferocious speed before ripping <gasps> right through the heart of Shifra. Bullseye! cried Deirdre, and she clenched her fist in victory. The demon slayers cheered. Shifra, with her large and mysterious dark eyes, looked at the spear that had penetrated her chest. Around her grew a pool of fairy blood, as green as any plant found in nature. The fairy maidens looked on in horror, but Shifra slowly pulled the spear from her chest. There remained briefly a gaping wound, but a wound that quickly healed. She handed the offending weapon to Siobhan. Rather than return it to the demon slayers, Siobhan swiftly stuck the spear into the ground. It stood there momentarily rocking back and forth, its purest of silver lighting up the night. And then it suddenly transformed into a beautiful floral plant that shone even brighter in the moonlight. See a flower, said Shifra to the demon slayers, is much more beautiful than a spear. And more powerful too, said Siobhan. Siobhan, arching her soft lips, blew petals off the flower, and as they floated around in the night air, the fairy maidens giggled again and disappeared into sparkling <laughs> mist. Merging with the floating petals, a look of anger began to suffuse Deirdre's lovely face. Then something began to pull at Deirdre's hair in the woods. She screeched. She slapped the air, trying to make it go away. She saw nothing, but she could still hear the giggles of the fairy girls. 
The fairies then played some tricks on the other demon slayers, taking their bows, shooting arrows into the night air, that then transformed into wonderful dragonflies. <laughs> and all the time they giggled, and Deirdre's lovely face grew angrier and angrier. Later that night, when Deirdre had safely escaped from the fairy woods and was back at her command centre, she instructed her cohorts to study all kinds of lore. Manuscripts were devoured late into the night. The internet was scoured for answers. The world's top scholars were contacted. Why haven't you people found an answer? She screamed. Fairies may be immortal, said Declan. Immortal? They're not gods. They're common tramps. Our whole research department has been working on it 24 hours a day said Dervla. What is taking them so long? The downsizing has not helped, said Declan feebly. I obviously didn't downsize enough. Deirdre stamped her feet in frustration. Never mind, she added. I will find the answer myself. I always have to do everything around here anyway. And with that, she set off into the night, a demon slayer on a mission. Just one more kill, she said. Just one more kill and my work here is done! <laughs> <laughs>